let's just go ahead and jump right in. And so if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 19. Now, as you guys are turning there, um, just a little background on this. Remember, you know, Abraham and Lot, you know, th- their herds are so big that they, the land couldn't sustain them anymore. And so Abraham says to his nephew, Lot, he says, hey, you know, you choose left, I'll go right. You choose north, I'll go south. Doesn't matter. He goes, wherever you, you, know, wherever you want, you go, and then I'll take whatever's left. And Lot, he looked down upon the, the plains of um, near Sodom and Gomorrah and all that. He saw that they were well watered, that there was a ton of life down there. He's like, that's great for raising sheep. That's what they had. So he chose to um, pitch his tent facing Sodom. He went down into those plains, and he pitched his tent facing Sodom. Later, we find out that he was in Sodom when all those kings came. Remember that, that confederacy of four kings came down, and they were just like wiping out everything in their path. And then when they got to Sodom, they conquered Sodom, and they took everybody who was in it as plunder and went off on their way. And then the hero Abraham you know, comes down real quick and just attacks those kings and just decimates them, frees everybody. And then now... When we approach and we see Lot, so Lot started off with Abraham up near the trees of Mamre. Then from there, we see Lot pitching his tent facing Sodom, like he's looking towards Sodom. And then after that, we find Lot in Sodom. And then this morning, as we begin this text, Lot is now not only just in Sodom, but he's actually sitting in the gates of the city. That means he is like an elder. That means he's like one of the people who are like a high profile dude in this city. And so we see, this, we see this progression of Lot and his um, dealings with the city of Sodom. And on the last study, the Lord and met Abraham. And he literally called him, when Abraham saw him, remember he got up and he sprinted towards his God. Remember, Abraham is 99 years old at this point. And he gets up and he sprints over towards the Lord and he falls down on his face, uh, basically forehead on the dirt. Uh, before the Lord, he calls him Adonai, which is a word that's only used for the Lord. And so, you know, he cries out, you know, Adonai, if I found favor in your eyes, please don't go on past your servant, but turn in and you'll stay here. And then after that whole deal where he talked with Sarah and challenged her faith because she had doubted that the Lord was able to actually allow her to have um, a baby as old as she was. And then from there, the Lord takes off and he's heading towards Sodom now with his, with these two angels that were in tow with him. And the Lord stops and has a conversation with Abraham where Abraham's like saying, hey, Lord, you know, are you going to judge the righteous with the wicked? If there is 50 righteous people in Sodom, would you would you destroy the city, destroying the righteous with the wicked? He says, surely. And this was this was Abraham's point. Surely the, the judge of all the earth would do rightly. He wouldn't do wickedly because to make no distinction between a good person and a bad person and to judge them all would be wrong. It would be unjust. And so he says, surely you wouldn't do that, Lord. And the Lord said, for 50, I'll, I'll save the city. I'll spare the city. And it's not like I'll just judge everybody except for those 50. He says, I'll spare the whole city for the 50. And then Abraham says, what about if there was 45? Would, would, you, you know, would you destroy the city for a lack of five? And he goes, for 45, I, I would save the city. And then Abraham went all the way down, and he was getting like, you know, don't get mad at me, Lord, don't get mad at me. But you know, he says, if there was 10, you know, he finally whittled them down from 50 down to 10. He says, Lord, for 10... Would you destroy the city? He goes, for 10, I would not destroy the city, but I'd spare the whole thing. And again, that's not that he would destroy everybody except the 10, but he said, for 10, I would literally spare the whole city. And Abraham didn't dare say another word, but you know, we'll see. And you know, I kind of pointed ahead 
to uh, verse chapter 19, verse 22. And in chapter 19, verse 22, the angel declares that it, he couldn't do anything until Lot, the one righteous man in Sodom, was out of there. He wasn't allowed. So, you know, God is a just judge. He is righteous, and he doesn't. He does make a distinction between uh, good and evil. He makes a distinction when he gives his judgment, when he gives his when his wrath, quote unquote, is cast down uh, on a people. There, he is a righteous judge. He doesn't just like wipe out everybody without thought or without anything like that. That that would be unjust, and that is not the God we serve. And so now, now comes a big thing. The Lord stood with Abraham. The two angels went on their way down towards Sodom. And this morning, in picking up in verse 1 of chapter 19, we will see these two angels enter uh, the city of Sodom. Verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. That's a place of honor. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. It's important to understand this is the same, it's the exact same words used when Abraham bowed himself. So he literally falls down on the ground before him, puts his head to the dirt, same thing. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came to us here, speaking of Lot. And, um, sorry. And now he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the two men, or they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever uh, you have in the city, take them out of this place? For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law uh, who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. 
Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his, that's Lot's wife, looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Let's pray before we get into this one. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. It is holy, it is righteous, and it is true. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would give us understanding, Lord, as we uh, enter into this text. And, Lord, that we just seek you for discernment, Lord, on what you are teaching us through these verses. It is in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. A very sad um, account of a group of people that were judged by the Lord. Um, the Lord is a merciful God, and it's important to start w- within this context. The Lord is a merciful God, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they, didn't, they weren't just like one day like, hey, they, they woke up and they were evil. It wasn't that at all. It was a slow progression of where the sin of this people, where they had turned away from the Lord more and more, and they began to do things that were utterly uh, despicable. Uh, when, when you come to this, it, it wasn't just the homosexuality. That, that wasn't the only sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, not by a long shot. Uh, one of the things when you have a, a very sexually active culture is that there are a lot of unwanted babies. And so one of the gods that they worship, they would literally sacrifice these children uh, to these gods, throw them in the fire and the whole bit. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, bestiality, things like that. There were many things that were going on in this city that were absolutely depraved. And it was something that it was building, 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 building. And the Lord was merciful for a long period of time. He allowed a great deal of time to pass before finally he says, you know, the outcry against the city has grown so much so he, that the, the Lord literally took on human form and walked down. He says, I will walk down there. I will see for myself with my own eyes. And if it is so, then the Lord's judgment will come. And that's where we enter into the scene. It's, in, it's very important to have this context because this is one of those passages where you go like, oh my goodness, like the Lord destroyed every person in it, every animal, every uh, green vegetation that was in this entire plain was completely annihilated except for the city of Zoar. 
And a lot of people can have a very wrong concept of God through a text like this. But just remember that in the same way that a parent must rebuke a child many times, the Lord will rebuke people as well. And this people, their sin had become so great. They were so vile. The murders, the excesses were so great that finally the Lord, it would be unjust for the Lord not to judge this people. And he said, now's the time. So notice now these two angels who came into Sodom. And then as they're walking through the gate of the city, they find Lot. This, this, is, the, this is the person that they're supposed to be going down and getting out of the city. So it's, it, it's, it's very uh, nice that they met him there right, right away. And Lot, when he sees him in verse 2, he says, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. Now, notice what Lot is doing. What is he doing here? He's protecting these angels, isn't he? He sees these two guys come down there. He knows the city. He knows the inhabitants of the city and the wickedness of the city. And their wickedness was an old wickedness. Remember, we saw way back when, way back when, the Lord called the city wicked. And they have grown in their wickedness. And he says, Lot sees these guys. It's around evening time. And, you know, just like um, Sin City, most of the stuff happens at night. You know, and so as... You know, the, the sun's coming down, and these two guys, they, they're walking towards the square of the city. That means the center of the city. That's where they're going to, like, camp out. And Lot's like, hey, my lords, please, please, turn into my house quickly. Come, come to my house. And they're like, no, no. Because why are they there? They're there to see if the wickedness of the city was as the outcry had been. And so they said, no, but we will stay in the, the center of the town. And Lot's like, no, and he, he, it says he strongly insisted. He's like begging and pleading for these guys, no, please come, come into my house. And so finally they agreed. They said, okay. And so they walk, and you know, obviously a bunch of the people of the town uh, see these guys go in with Lot and go to his house. So Lot, you know, he's probably really nervous at this point, knowing the city, knowing you know, the reputation that the city has and stuff that he has seen with his, um, with his own eyes. And so he, he makes a feast for these guys. He's trying to keep them entertained. But notice what, when he originally called them in, what he said. He goes, then you may rise early and go your way. He doesn't want these men to stay here. He doesn't want them to stay in the city of Sodom. He wants them to come into his house before anybody can see them. And then he wants them to rise early and get out of town before anything happens. That's what, that's what Lot is doing at this moment. And a question that as I was just reading this text, looking through, it's like, who is he, Lot protecting? Isn't that an interesting question? I mean, think about this. Who is Lot protecting? Is he protecting these angels? Now, you know, we, we haven't read in Genesis yet, but, you know, we'll come to a spot where one angel destroys 180,000-man army of the Assyrians. One angel. So is Lot trying to protect these angels from, from the men of Sodom? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his motive is, but if, if that's what he's trying to do, then, you know... He, he, he's got a little something that's just not quite right. It's a little bit off. His understanding of the Lord and upon the Lord's servants isn't quite there because this angel does not need any protection from the men of Sodom. You know, these angels, they, they were perfectly safe to walk out into the middle of the town square and to lay down there and wait for what happened. You know, these men were safe. These angels were completely safe. And yet, if, if this is Lot's motive, if he's trying to protect these men, which it does seem that he's trying to do that, then you know, his, his understanding of the Lord is, is not quite there. He, do, he doesn't quite understand it fully. And I don't know about you guys, but there are times 
when I try to protect the Lord uh, from things, right? There are times where, you know, it's like, you know, I as a person of the church can't go there. Or, you know, let's say that, you know, I run into somebody and I have an, just a divine encounter with them, but they're really, really rough around the edges. And, you know, I, I wouldn't dare bring them back to church. I can't invite them to my church because, I mean, look at them, right? And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. Are we trying to protect God? Are we trying to protect the church from the world? Because that doesn't really make sense, does it? That, that's not what we're called to do. We're not, you know, God doesn't need our protection. The church doesn't need our protection. You know, the church is built upon sinners. Is anybody here not a sinner? Not me. Let me put my hand down. You know, every single one of us, every single one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, know that we fail. Every single one of us knows that we have lackings. And yet we'll look at certain people and say, they're beyond saving. Absolutely not. Yeah, I can't, I can't invite them to church. I mean, let's say this. If you ran into Richard Dawkins, you know who Richard Dawkins is? Everybody know who Richard Dawkins is? He's the atheist who, he's like, the, he's the spokesman for, um, for evolutionary theory. And he hates Christians. He passionately hates Christians. He had a Christian heritage when he grew up. And then he turned away from the Lord, and he, he like really, really, he, he even go, he's been on record saying that any children of Christians should be taken away from their parents because they're unfit parents because they believe in the Bible and in God and creation and things like that. He says they're idiots. They're fools. So they, they're, they're, they're unfit parents, so their children should be taken away from them. That's his stance. If you met Richard Dawkins on the street over at um, Starbucks, and he's sitting in there, and he's got his little British accent, and he's, and he's talking. And you guys get into a conversation, and something happens, and you invite him to church, and he's, he agrees. Would you be embarrassed? Would you be like, <gasps> not him? No, I wasn't serious. I didn't think Richard Dawkins, of all people, would ever accept an invitation to come to church. No way. And yet it's like, you know, there is no need. There is no need to protect the church from the world. Because it is the church that is the one that purifies the world. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his word. It is the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that took any one of us and redeemed us. And so we don't need to be, if this is Lot's motive, if he's literally sitting there like, hey, I'm trying to protect these men from the city of Sodom. You know what? God already knows, Lot. God already knows. And there's nothing that these men can do that are going to shock or hurt or somehow dismay the Lord. He already knows. And so... I would just say, you know what, guys, for us, there's never anybody that is beyond reaching. There's never anybody who's beyond reaching. Whether it be some guy who has a Hell's Angel jacket on, looks really gnarly, you know, tatted all up and everything. One of our worship leaders, one of our guys here, Jake, you know, he's got tats all over him. You know, who cares? Does that change who he is? Does that change his need for a savior? No. But when we look at the men of Sodom, we should look like, you know what, no. I'm not going to try to hide the Lord from them. And I'm not going to try to hide the Lord from them. Because it doesn't make any sense. That's exactly opposite of what they're called to do. But then there's the other side. Okay, well, wait a second. Uh, if he's not protecting the angels, is he protecting the men? He sees that these angels are coming. He knows God is a righteous God. He hung with Abraham for a while. He knows this is a wicked city. And now is he trying to protect the men of the city from God? Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever done that? 
try to protect your uh, maybe people you love, family members, things like that from the Lord, like where they're engaged in something that you know is wrong, and yet it's like, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to drive you away from the Lord because, you know, we get to this place where we're ashamed of the word. We're ashamed of what God says, and and we're afraid that they'll maybe either be offended or hurt or sad. And, you know, anybody have family members like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like we're trying to protect them from God. We're trying to protect them. It's like, but, you know, in the end, judgment is coming. You know, the New Testament even says that, that all are already under judgment. You know, we were born under judgment. And it was the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that redeemed every single one of us. And so to literally to try to protect people from God, in the end, you're literally condemning them to destruction. And it's like, wow. And yet... One of these two things, there's, there's only two motives here for Lot. Either he was trying to protect God from the men of Sodom or he was trying to protect the men of Sodom from God. Both are not right. Both are not good and both will have consequences. And so then, as we look, Lot prepares a meal. It's a religious meal. Notice the unleavened bread. Things like that's not what they normally eat. Right, so he, he makes some unleavened bread. He's have they're having like a little church service behind closed doors where nobody can hear and nobody can see. Right, so he's he's kind of he's got them locked away and they're having their church service and all that and they're kind of doing it and all of a sudden, uh oh, the party crashers are here. Exactly what Lot feared would happen is happening now, and he's terrified. And notice this again in verse six. You know, they called them. They said, hey, verse five, sorry. Where are the men who came to you tonight? So they saw, bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Right? Bring them out to us that we may have our way with them. And then notice this, verse six. So Lot went out the door. He went out to them through the doorway and he shut the door behind him. So now, isn't this an interesting picture? It's not the right picture, but it's an interesting picture. Lot is standing between the men of the city and the Lord, or the representatives of the Lord. Is that the way it's supposed to be? Literally, Lot has now put himself as mediator between these men and the Lord. Right? And it's like, wait a second. Aren't these the angels of the Lord? Aren't they the ones who bring the messages of the Lord? Aren't they the ones who, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're supposed to be doing something here, right? I mean, they didn't just come to the city to, like, have a snack and picnic with Lot. I mean, come on. They're they're here for a reason. And yet Lot has now put himself between the men of Sodom, these lost men of Sodom, and the messengers of God. He's literally, like, barred the way. And all I can think of when I was looking at this, it's like, this seems so much like striving ministry to me. This seems so much like striving ministry where it's like, you know what? I'm not just going to like let God you know, out of the box and over there and into the... I'm going to keep him locked away back here and I'm going to reach these people. I'm going to... Now, now see what he does. Like, he's trying to stop them. But this is what happens when we minister by our own flesh. When we minister in our own striving, our own manufacturing, and when we like try to lock God in a box, which is exactly what he's doing with these angels, right? He closes the door behind him. No, 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 don't see those angels. 
Not there. Just pretend that you didn't see them. Right? And so now he stands in the way. Now he's the representative of God. And he's going to stand in the way. And now he says, and you know, he, chose his, he chose his words poorly. He chose his words really poorly because this is what he says. So in our flesh and in our strength, and we're striving and manufacturing ministry, this is what he comes up with. Please, my brethren, do not do, not do so wickedly. Well, that wins favor, doesn't it? Right? Don't do so wickedly. See now, and now, and this is, when you guys read this, it's, it's always disturbing every time you read this passage, isn't it? This is where Lot went. Right? This is where he went. Instead of allowing these men of God, allowing God himself to just come out there and meet face to face with the men of Sodom, to have that godly encounter, instead, he locks God in a box and he says, hey, you know what? Don't do wickedly. Don't do wickedly. But if, you know, if that doesn't work, then if you're, instead of doing that wickedness, let me give you my two daughters. How about that? Have your way with them. Have fun. There you go. But just leave these guys alone because that's why I have brought them under the shadow of my roof. So there, you see, there, there's his purpose. Right? We just see it. It's revealed. He literally brought these men, these angels, under the shadow of his roof to protect them from the men of Sodom. At what cost? He is willing literally to give his daughters. Do you think that pleases the Lord? Do you think God would say, hey, you know what? You know, my, my angels, you know, they, they can't really handle themselves. So, you know, give your daughters to these uh, raping lunatics out there. Does that sound like something that God would sanction? Absolutely not. But, you know, here's the thing. When we get into the flesh, when we get into... Um, trying to do things on our own, in our own authority, in our own power, by our own strength, and our own cunning craftiness and things like that, we make mistakes. We say things that we shouldn't say, and sometimes we don't really realize what we're doing until after we've already said them, and it's already, the cat's already out of the bag. And it's like, gosh, you know, what should, have Lot, what, what should he have done in this situation? Okay, number one, he probably should have like, you know, hung out with these guys and let them go to the town square where they wanted to go in the first place. But he had them in there, and in this moment, the, the mob is outside, and it says every single man from every quarter of the city, young and old, is out at his front door. There's no escape from this, right? There's going to be a showdown between the men of Sodom and God, whether Lot likes it or not. What he should have done, what he should have done, is open the door and get out of the way. That's what he should have done. But instead, he put his daughters, his daughters. And these are daughters who had never known a man. These are daughters who aren't married. These are, they're young girls. People got married young in these days. So that means these girls are like 16 and under. And so he literally puts his daughters on the altar of these men, not on the altar of the Lord. He puts them on the altar of these uh, sex-crazed men. And all because he was trying to protect God from the men of Sodom. Do you see how dysfunctional that is? What Lot should have done. He should have opened the door and stepped aside. Because you know what? These men needed to have a confrontation with God. These men needed it. Now, you know, God is very graceful. Think about uh, Jesus' ministry on earth. For three and a half years, you know, he's teaching grace. You know, the Beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, the poor in spirit, the weak, you know, all, like, you know, he, he, like, goes through this whole thing. 
You know, and he's showing grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Do you know what the last public sermon that Jesus did was? Right before he was crucified? The very last public announcement that he made was a full chapter, eight points that were reviling the, Sadge- or the, the scribes and the Pharisees, where he kept saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You, know, you strain at a gnat, that's the smallest unclean animal, and then, but you swallow a camel, the largest unclean animal. He goes, who, you, know, you tithe of your mint and your cumin, but you, know, you forget the weightier matters like justice and mercy and love. The very last thing that Jesus did, because he knew in the, in the area that he was around, there was a lot of people who, who had heard him. You know, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him you know, in Pentecost, there was 120 believers there. But he knew that there was a lot of scribes, there was a lot of Pharisees, because they were all waiting to trap him in his words. They were all waiting there to try to find a way that they could kill him. They wanted to murder him. And so the last statement, the last moment, because listen, these guys had been around the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. They had heard him teach. They had seen his grace. They had seen his mercy. And yet they continued to harden their hearts to the Lord again and again and again and again. And grace can only go so far. And we want grace to go as far as it can go. But there comes a point when people have to be confronted. And it's like, you know what? There is no grace for intentional sin. There is no grace for that. And as long as you continue down this path, there is no more grace. And Jesus literally, to these religious leaders, to these scribes and these Pharisees, he's like, woe to you, you brood of vipers, hypocrites, you religious hypocrites, who you, know, you steal and devour widows' houses, yet for pretense... Make long prayers so people will go, ooh, isn't he spiritual? There's a time when the world has to be confronted. There's a time when the line in the sand has to be drawn. It's like, you know what? There is no more grace. And truly, you know, the Lord is very merciful. The Lord actually is the one who sent Abraham to deliver Sodom from those four kings, remember? The Lord is the one who gave, you know, Abraham flight. He was the one who, you know, made it so Abraham was able to just wipe out these battle-hardened, you know, kings who were literally destroying everything. And so it's like, you know, we, there, there comes a place where it's like, you know, people have to know. People have to understand. It's like, you know what? There is a judgment. God is a, God is a just God. He is a loving God and a merciful God, but he's also a righteous God. And so Lot, you know, his ministry. Now, it says, you know, this guy always acts as a judge among us. That means, you know, Lot had been in that city for a long time, huh? He had been declaring, hey, this is wrong. Guys, this is wrong. This is wrong. And they didn't like him all that much, did they? He was probably sitting in the, in the town uh, gate because he was a rich man. Right, but he kept acting as a judge. He kept, you know, it, it was that, uh, it was that manufactured ministry. He, you know, he's he's there, and it's like, hey, you know, I'm getting rich in Sodom. He goes, but in the meantime, I'm going to be blasting these guys. You know, and so he's preaching to them. He's preaching to them. He's preaching to them, and they didn't like him, and, and you know, they they weren't listening to him. He didn't really have any ministry with them. And then when the Lord finally comes, it's like, okay, it's time. Lot's trying to like, no, 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 no. But it's like, you know what? These men needed it. These men needed it. And we see how depraved they truly were when it says that, 
you know, number one, they, they yell at uh, Lot in verse 9, stand back. You know, you, you who think you're always a judge to us, right? And then listen, he says, you know, we're going we're gonna to treat you worse than them. What we're going to do to them is nothing to what we're going to do to you now. And then they started pressing in on Lot now, right? And it says that they are coming to break down the door. And so these two angels literally reach out and they grab him by his coattails and they yank him inside and they close the door and it says they struck the men with blindness. So all of a sudden it's like, boom, can you imagine if you were like do in the middle of this scene and all of a sudden you just went blind? What would you do? You'd probably be freaked out, right? You know, sight's kind of an important thing. And when you lose it, that's scary. You know, think about how many kids are just scared of the dark, right? These men were struck with blindness, all of them, great and small, rich and poor, every single one of them like, boom, blackness. And what I want you guys to notice is look at this. In verse 11, at the very end of verse 11, it says, they became weary trying to find the door. Do you understand what, what that's declaring? These men were so intent. They were so intent on raping these men that they literally, they were going to bust down the door. They were going to do whatever to lot. And then even when they were struck with blindness, that's the first judgment. Right? They were struck with blindness they kept trying to find the door. They didn't stop. They weren't like, ooh, uh-oh, I'm blind. What, what do I do now? It's like, where are they? Where are they? And they're like foaming at the mouse, beating on the door, trying to find it. And they did it so long that they literally got tired trying to find the door. But see, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, Lot is spending this time trying to, you know, like, like kind of maybe protect God from, from these guys. But it's like, notice this. These men don't want to be restrained. These men don't want to be placated. They don't want to be you know, tolerated. They want to stand up and say, we want what we want, and that's it. There was no, you know, it wasn't, it's, you know, lots trying to like, hey, can't we all just get along? Can't we just make this, hey, you, know, you guys just go your way. Just go your way. You, know, you keep doing what you do, but don't do anything to these men. But these men don't want that. You know, Lot's trying to, he's trying to be the peacemaker between these two parties. He's like, hey, guys, you know, here are my daughters, just whatever, you know, just go, you know, have fun, do something. But these men don't want to be placated. They don't want to be tolerated. They said, you know what? We want those men, period. And that's it. That's it. You know, I don't know, do you guys remember the, um, when the floods happened to Louisiana? You know, New Orleans and all that, remember that? Right afterwards, it was right around Mardi Gras that that happened. And it was actually a huge group of, um, of gay activists. They literally got a, you have decimation everywhere. I mean, people, I mean, their whole livelihoods destroyed. And it's like, you know what? We're going to stand, they literally got up there and they were marching around naked and being very belligerent and having a lot of things like that. And not every person who's homosexual acts like that. But it's like, you know what? These, these people, they're completely unrestrained. And it's just like, in a time where it's like, okay, even Mardi Gras didn't go on. You know, even just like the regular parties didn't go on. But it's like, there was like this, just like an, an overflow of filthiness. And it's like, yo, we're not going to be stopped by a flood. We're not going to be stopped by this. And, you know, we want everybody to like see this. And it's like, you know, these people were very, like, in your face and like, hey, you know, we're going to be crude and rude and, you know, we don't care what anybody else thinks. We want the world to see. We want the world to, to be shocked. 
you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like as a, a married man, you know, with kids and everything, I don't go marching down the streets naked, like showing my wife. You know, it's like it's completely unnecessary. That has absolutely nothing to do with being socially acceptable or anything like that. It's a desire to be. I want my obscenity to be seen. I want to be. I don't want to be under restraint. I don't want to be like that. I want you to see this. I want it to be in your face. And that was what was going on here. And this is exactly what Lot was trying to stop. Lot was trying to like, no, 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 no. Keep these two things separate. Keep them separate. Keep them separate. And they're like, we don't want to be separate. We, we want to we walk right down the middle of the street. We want to take who we want to take. We want to do what we want to do. Period. That's where these men were. That was the depravity of Sodom. And the, these two angels were like, yeah, we've seen enough. We've seen enough. And then... Notice, notice what they declare. I'm just going like, to kind of give you a couple snippets of uh, things that were said to Lot and things that Lot was doing. Check this out. Number one, the angels say, hey, he's referring to his family. If you have anyone else here, son-in-law, sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. Take them out of this place. Now, the bigger question is why were they there in the first place? Why were they there in the first place? The first time Lot looked down in the plains, he saw, hey, really good for flocks. This is great. And so, you know, I'm going to take my flocks down there. And then after that, then, but notice what he did. He didn't pitch his tent, you know, knowing that Sodom was a wicked place. He knew it was a wicked place. There was a curiosity there because he pitched his tent and his door was facing Sodom. So he could be sitting inside his house. Like, what are they doing down there? Huh. And then later he was in Sodom. And he brought his family too. His whole family got taken by those armies. And then now he's like a high official in the city of of Sodom. And he's in there and his family is taking part of it. And they're in there. And so these angels are like, hey, take them out of this place. Now that that should be pretty clear to us, right? That should be something that's like, you know, we don't want our children to, to like fall into sin and things like that. And a lot of people are afraid of that word sin. But it's like, you know what? There are things that are bad for us. There are things like when we, when we engage in these activities, it will destroy us. And even if it's like you, you talk to people who are involved in things that they know they shouldn't be involved in, and it's like, are you happy? And the answer is always no. Or sometimes they'll say, yeah, 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 I am. But then they'll say, well, no, not really. There's always an emptiness that comes. There's always this, Ugh. And so, you know, Lot had taken his whole family into the city into this town and like these angels these words ring out so clear take them out of here lot why are you here in the first place we shouldn't be rescuing you from this place from the judgment of god you need you i mean think about that if you find yourself where you're that close to the judgment of god you're too close you are too close to sin and so he says take them out of this place but now listen to this so he goes door to door to his sons-in-law now so you know his daughters have married some of his older daughters i don't know how many uh, we're already married. And he goes to them and he starts talking to his sons-in-laws. Verse 14, he says, um, take them out of this place. You know, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But it says, but to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Listen to this. They didn't take him serious. I don't know if it had to do with the way he uh, dealt with them before. Maybe it was always the, you know, maybe he was a fire and brimstone preacher. 
Maybe there was no grace at all. Maybe he was just blasting, blasting. Oh, you're wicked. Oh, you're going to hell. And da, da, da. maybe he was doing all this kind of stuff. And so when he finally came, maybe they were just like, ha, 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 real funny, dad. Whatever. Click, close the door on him. You know, I don't know if it was that, or maybe it's just because in his, um, his desiring to like come between, you know, like God and like kind of act as God to these people, maybe it was just that his ministry was so self-willed and so just manufactured that like, like he just had no credibility with these people whatsoever. You know, maybe choices that he had made in his past, maybe choices that he had done, you know, things that he had done where he told them, oh, you shouldn't do so wickedly, but then maybe he had other concessions over here that he did. And so they saw him as a hypocrite, and they were like, ah, whatever. Whatever the case was, Lot was a righteous man. That's what, the, that's what the New Testament declares. He was the only righteous man in the city of Sodom, in the whole plain, actually, because there's also Gomorrah and all of the towns in that plain. And it says, whatever it was, he had no ministry whatsoever. And even when he did, he come, he had, I mean, think about this. He had the word of the Lord right here. This is the word of the Lord. It's not like he was like some like, you know, false prophet, you know, in an Armani suit. who's like, oh, you know, give me your money and things like that. And it's like, no, flee, flee, because it really is coming. And he really did give the word. It's not going to be on May 19th, right? He's like, this is the real deal. It really is coming. God gave him the word and he's taking it out to his family and they didn't take him serious. Right? They didn't take him serious. And then in verse 15, it says, When morning had dawned, the angels had to urge Lot. Now check this out. I mean, think about this. Like, how, how crazy is this? It's like he knew that the judgment of God was coming, and he's like sitting down. He's sitting down. Like, he knew the situation. He knew what was going on around them. You know, it's like, it like the sign of the times. Like, think about it. We follow the headlines. We see those stuff. We know the time that we're in we know the season of history that we're in right now and yet lot was sitting down he was chilling out he was just like oh man they wouldn't believe me they wouldn't believe lot wake up lot it's time to get up and so literally the angels what what they declared to him they say hurry arise it's not time to be sitting down lot it's time to get up it's time to flee get your family out of here yeah those daughters and those sons they didn't listen they couldn't hear but lot you've got a wife and two more daughters get out of here you know you you need to get them ready and get out of here lot and then listen and i can't even believe this and it's like they literally declare in verse 15 it says your wife and your two daughters who are here lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city i mean that is like the con can you guys imagine if you had an angel two angels visit your house and they're telling you this Get out of here. The city of Orange is about to burn. Go. Can you imagine like sitting down, like watching some TV? Like, I just don't know what to do, man. I'm kind of stressed. It's like, you know, like, is Leno on? Huh. You know, and like, like, can you imagine that? Like that mindset? They're literally like, dude, get up. You've got a family. Get out of here. And he's still sitting there. And look at this. In verse 16, this baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. He says, and while he lingered. Does this make no sense to any of you guys? The punishment of the Lord is coming. You know, the men of Sodom had a riot. They came at my door. They were going to destroy me and my family. They're going to break down the door. These men struck them with blindness. So they were scratching all over the place and they had to weary themselves. The guys are, they might still be laying out on the, on the ground outside. I have no idea, but they were really tired. And then the angels are like, dude, 
the judgment's coming. Get your daughters, get your family, and get out of here. And like literally, like he goes, and they think he's joking. He comes back, and it's like they're like, come on, let's go. And he's like, just like, he's sitting there. He's like flipping through the, the, the satellite dish. Like, I can't believe they didn't listen to me. Why didn't they listen to me? I don't understand. You know, what's going on? They're, I mean, they're my son-in-laws. I mean, gosh, you, know, my daughter, you think my daughters would at least listen to me? My goodness. And he's sitting there like doing this. And they're like, dude, get up. You've got two more daughters and a wife. Get out of here. And then it's like, because the punishment is coming and we don't want you to be consumed too. And then he's still sitting there. He's like lingering. Like, oh, you know, should I bring my shaving kit? Or, hmm, you know, do we have any dog food? Dog food for the dog? You know, like he's lingering. What's he doing? What is he doing? The judgment's coming. Two angels. I mean, I've not, have anybody you seen an angel? Like that you knew it was an angel? I haven't. But if there are two angels in my house saying, get out of here, God's judgment is coming, you think I might be a little bit more eager to get out of the city. But he wasn't. He's like staying in the city and he's lingering. He's staying in his house. And he's just like, huh. You know, the, the guys of Sodom are all crawling around out there because they're blind. They're still crawling around out on the ground. And he's sitting there just going like, huh, I can't believe they didn't listen to me. I thought that was a great line. Don't do wickedly. And he's like chilling out. It's like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's lingering. And then listen to this. And then it says that while he lingered, these angels literally had to take him by the hand. Isn't that weird? They literally grabbed his hand. Come on. And then they grabbed his wife's hand. Let's go. And they grabbed his two daughters' hands. Look, we're a little party. Let's skip away. Let's go. And they drag him and his family out of the city. Okay, that's the hardest part, right? Getting out of the city. And then they say, now, you're out of the city. Don't worry about your teapots. Don't worry about the fine china. Get out of here. Flee to the mountains. The, um, the, the, where Sodom and Gomorrah was is where the Dead Sea is now. Okay? And that place is desolate, just so you know. And there's basically, on both sides, there, there's Jerusalem is right up here. And then on this side is another hill. So it's like in this big valley. It's not that far away. It's a ways away, but it's not that far away. I mean, it's all right there. You, you know you're in a valley. And these angels, they literally have to drag him out of the city, and they say, now flee to the mountains, lest you be consumed. Right? Get out of here. There's the high ground. It's right there. Go. It's not that far. And so they say, and this is their words, escape for your life. Does that sound urgent to you guys? Does that sound fairly urgent? This is what the angels, this is their message to him. Run for your life. Run to the hills. Right? Escape for your life right now. Go. You think you might want to like take that serious and run? Right? I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm thinking about Trinity and Sarah and Livy and Chloe. It's like, I would want to get my kids, get in the car, and dude, I'm heading out of here. I'm heading for Arrowhead right now. Let's go. And I'm going to be running quick because the earthquake's coming. I know it. All right, the big one, it's coming. And so, you know, that's what you think would happen. And these guys also say, hey, don't look behind you or stay anywhere in the plane. Nowhere in the plane whatsoever. Get out of here. Go to the mountains. But then it says, and he says, escape. He says it again. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. And then this is what boggles my mind. I was like, this boggles my mind about Lot. And he says, then Lot said to them, please no, my lords. And he says, Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. He recognizes that his life was in jeopardy, 
and they are the ones saving his life. And he says, listen to this, but I cannot escape to the mountains. Dude, if I know the judgment of God is coming, dude, you can guarantee I could run there probably in four minutes flat. You heard about four-minute miles. Dude, I'm going to do a four-minute marathon. If I know that the judgment of God is coming in this place and it's going to fill this whole plain, you know, dude, I'm out of here. He says, I cannot escape to the mountains. Now, listen, listen to his reasoning and how irrational this is. Lest some evil overtake me and I die. What evil? You're fleeing from the evil. That's who they're delivering you from. Get out of the city. What's wrong with you, man? It's like, get out. No, there's no evil. No mountain lion's going to get you. Trust me, the Lord's, he's got your back. He's getting you out of the city. He might be able to get you to the mountains too. And then he says, look, he says, see now, this city is near. So he sees there's a, there's a little city near Sodom. And see, that's the danger. That is the danger of a righteous man. That is the danger of a believer in the Lord. Is that, it's like, you know what? Here's, here's sin. And Sodom is always in the Bible a symbol of sin. And it's like, you know, here is sin. And it's like, I'm in the sin and I'm not quite willy, willing to get rid of the sin. 